The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking with um, a guest who has left a broken, reckless life in South Africa to come to America. And he had nothing but dreams in his pocket. But he's now the author of a book which reflects all of the things that he learned here, not from um, going to regular school, but from the School of Hard Knocks. His book is called Street Smart Kids, Common Sense for the Real World, and his name is Gordon Myers. Welcome to the show, Gordon. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. Well, let's start with um, <laughs> let's start with your broken, reckless life. You like that? <laughs> oh yeah, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you like my characterization of that as that. Tell us about. I mean, of course, you know the whole power in what you um, are teaching is the credibility of it comes from your having sort of rescued yourself in a sense. You're having learned these things the hard way that you're now trying to teach. Um, teenagers or children or really anyone, it could be any, people of any age who still haven't learned some of these street smarts, um, you know, kids of any age, you're trying to give them the benefit of what you learned. So let's start out with how dark it was <laughs> when, you were, when you were growing up in Africa. You, you were born in Nambia, and I actually this summer spent two weeks in Africa, um, in South Africa, and then... Um, uh, Botswana uh, and Zambia, and so I'm very familiar with <laughs> with where you came from. So tell us about it. Okay, so um, I was born in uh, Southwest Africa in those days. They changed the name later on, and uh, I lived there until I was seven years old. And uh, crazy things started happening right away. For example, I had four major surgeries before age four. Wow. Um, I had a staph infection that doctors in South Africa and uh, Namibia didn't have any idea how to, uh, how to treat. I then um, became, I guess, a little rambunctious. Uh, I was a really naughty kid, always trying to get away with everything. And there were a lot of uh, disciplines in South Africa that uh, are not really part of the American culture, like, uh, for example, corporal punishment, where your teachers could actually cane you. Hmm. Uh, parents would definitely use uh, physical ways in that, you know, as the second time I've told you kind of a technique. And uh, all too often, I was left completely unsupervised uh, because my parents were both working. They had a really strained relationship. So from really five years old, I remember them uh, 
not getting along well and felt very insecure at home. Um, and so to get attention, I would do all the kinds of things that parents warn their kids not to do. In fact, I was the kid most parents warned their kids to stay away from. <laughs> and I was always pushing the envelope. I was always trying to see how, if I was angry, the best medicine for me was to go and hurt somebody, steal something, break something, uh, get away with something. And I developed this pattern in life and unfortunately found myself in all kinds of, you know, stupid, dangerous, ignorant situations. And sometimes I wasn't that lucky. I mean, for the most part, you know, I can look back and say, wow, how lucky that I didn't get killed, how lucky I didn't get locked up. But I, I pushed it. I mean, I tried really hard. And so when kids today have problems, uh, they're not very uh, different to the problems I had. And maybe I was lucky, but at the same time, I learned from every time I wasn't lucky. And so this, you know, this behavior, it wasn't something I could just give up, even though I did get in trouble sometimes with the police or I got in trouble because I, uh, I, I got kicked out of a school. It didn't stop me because then I went to the military and this was like the, you know, the icing on the top. Didn't want to be there. And so for me, the entire two years of my military service was, again, trying to see what I could get away with. Wow. And uh, it made me a little smarter than, than I was. I honestly uh, think I learned how to work the system, so to speak. And so when I came to the United States thinking, you know, I could uh, handle anything, I also soon realized that there is a system here, and it was almost like starting all over again. Uh, the culture shock was more evident the longer you actually stayed here. Well, wait, let, before we get to America, <laughs> huh? um, what, did you have brothers or sisters? Yes, actually, I had a younger brother and an older sister, and I was really the naughtiest one. I was the one involved in all kinds of trouble. I was the one in between my parents when they got a really nasty uh, divorce. Um, I was the one getting most of the attention from, from everybody at that point. But it was really not very good attention. But it was some attention, and otherwise you felt you were lost, like you were, you, people weren't, weren't seeing you, weren't paying attention to you otherwise. No, I mean, in the beginning I just created a bad relationship uh, or a bad reputation, and this is kind of what followed me everywhere. I mean, people automatically assumed that I was just a rotten kid. Mm. I'm sure that cost me a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, I was forced really to go work at an early age, and, and for a kid of 12, 13 years old, that's really not the best thing to be doing because I had money in my pocket, and I could tell people where to get off if I didn't mm. like what they told me. Mm. And what did your parents do? What kind of work did they do? Well, the interesting thing, and, and this is a big factor, neither one of my parents finished high school, and so... There wasn't really a big push on education in my family. Uh, my father worked uh, in car parts, uh, you know, buying and selling cars, fixing them. Uh, never really made a lot of money, um, but just sort of, you know, got by. My mom was a secretary for many, many years at a bank, and uh, neither one of them could really give me the kind of advice that, that I needed. Mm. So just like any kid, I went looking for it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what made you, how old were you and what made you decide that you wanted, that the solution or what you wanted to do was to come to America? 
well, um, I lived in a neighborhood where there were affluent people, and they would come back and say how they went overseas and how they went on vacation. And I was really envious to the point where uh, I was probably a little resent, uh, you know, I resented the fact that I was never, ever out of Africa, so to speak. So the first 25 years, I imagined America to be uh, what I saw in the movies, what I saw in Archie comics. And I was very curious, but the important lesson here of uh, how I could sort of just give up my family, my friends, everything I knew, was I had nothing to lose, basically. And I think that that was the driving force, that uh, no matter what was going to happen to me, I wasn't leaving anything wonderful behind. And so I just took off. I wanted to go see what it was like somewhere else in the world, and I went straight from... uh, South Africa to Israel and then to 11 different countries all through Europe. And then I landed up in America in uh, New York City and I drove a car across the United States to San Francisco. I didn't know anybody here. I didn't have a single phone number. And I slept in my car at truck stops. And so the journey began. I just figured out, let's see what happens. And uh, I'm still here 26 years later. So that was at 25. So did, had you developed, before you left, had you developed any kind of trade or that you could use when you were traveling in these other countries or when you got here? Well, it's a good question. If you don't go to college, I mean, you're pretty much left to hustle and to sell, basically. And so while I didn't really go to any formal uh, school or get any formal training, I tried everything and anything, and every time it became boring or I felt I was doing pretty well, then I looked to challenge myself in something else. And so I always knew that whenever I made a move, it was going to be based on what I learned and the fact that I could use those skills to try something else. So, you know, my my friends look at me like I'm crazy because I've had so many different interesting jobs. But so far, you know, each and every one of them have been just better and better every time. So no looking back. Okay. So tell us, you know, how, um, tell us some of the lessons that you learned that you're now teaching people in your book. Like what, what are some of the most important, um, I mean, of course, we're not going to be able to cover everything, but just some of the highlights, you know, and how did you learn these things? Like what happened to you that, uh, that you wish you, where you wish you had known something beforehand that now you're the, trying to teach kids. Okay, so the, the first thing comes with my, my attitude is to survive, to take care of business, to do whatever it takes. Uh, I have this attitude that nothing is going to stand in my way. I'm not going to make excuses. And I find today that if you just apply some energy to a good idea that good things will happen and that will lead to other good things. But what I've seen in America and and really so prevalent, I have a a 20-year-old and a 16-year-old. We have a very open relationship. They tell me about what they do, what their friends do. And look, there's the entitled society, which we all know about, but I don't think that's really most people. I think most kids and even young adults in America just don't have anyone to show them where to start. And so what happens is they start in the middle and they make decisions uh, without the relevant information. They ignore information. They don't know it exists. 
They don't realize there's a big effort needed to go and find that information. And so instead of moving forward, a lot of times people just take three steps back. Uh, and so I'm trying to help kids to avoid that. I'm trying to help them to understand the formula, to realize that there's no quick fix, there's no overnight richness. Uh, there's absolutely no ways that they're going to get where they want to get without putting in the, the, the effort. And I know it's difficult when you don't know what to do. Like in my case, I didn't have my parents to look up to and say, oh, I want to be like them. So I asked myself, what can I learn from my situation, whether it's stuff to do or not to do? And so I'm going to show kids in my book and in, on my blog and in all the work I put out how to be objective about their own lives. And once they can do that and look at their life from the eyes of another, then they can start to see where the priorities lie and, and understand that you can't fix one thing if something else is broken. And so my goal is to get kids on track as early as possible. I can say the same thing to a 13-year-old and a 19-year-old. They'll interpret it differently, but the bottom line is still the same. You have to look at what the possible outcomes are of the decisions you make. And I think kids are just not getting a fair shake. It's not their fault, you know. You can always say it's the parents' fault. And at the end of the day, even if it is the parents' fault, who cares? I mean, the kid still has to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Um, that's, I mean, yes, and, and, and it's so interesting because I think that it's, it's, it still is so true for uh, 19, 29, 39, and more. Well, when we come back, we need to take a break now. My guest is Gordon Myers. His book is Street Smart Kids, Common Sense for the Real World. So when we come back, we'll talk more about common sense and some of the street smarts that he learned as he was uh, growing up. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. With my guest today, Gordon Myers, he is, uh, we start, he's begun telling us about how he left what I call his broken, reckless life in South Africa to come to the States with nothing but dreams in his pocket and has done quite well for himself and is now sharing his, the lessons that he learned um, on the street, the school of hard knocks, with kids of all ages um, so that they can... They don't have to make some of the mistakes that he did. His book is called Street Smart Kids, Common Sense for the Real World. So, you know, before um, we talk some more about some of the mistakes you made and and, uh, what you learned and what kids can learn from that, um, I I wanted to go back to something that you had said about the entitled generation. I mean, don't, don't you feel or don't you come across a lot of kids who think, that they are that somehow even though we're in a recession and you know they maybe they've seen their parents struggling or not um, that they feel as though they're entitled to start to, they don't nobody wants to start in the mail room anymore they want to be vice president that's right that's right uh, my daughter coined a phrase the other day she said people are ambitious and lazy <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. I mean it's true nobody wants to start at the bottom but I think that Everybody assumes they're going to have the same lifestyle as their parents, and the parents don't want to tell the kids how hard they worked because the kids are kind of sick of hearing about it. And I think that the only way to overcome that is to get kids as early as possible to earn things that they, that they want. And, you know, whether it's washing dishes or whatever, I mean, we do everything for our kids. We spoil them. We make them lazy. And then at a certain point when we've had enough, we tell them, okay, we don't want you to be lazy anymore. We want you to do this, 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 and that. And it's not in their nature. It's not part of their personality. So unless something really bad happens to them or they lose something significant, they never really learn learn the lesson. And it's very important that kids understand that it's not necessary to first get really hurt, you know, get really down before you realize that what you do have is important. So it's all part of teaching kids objectivity. If they look at their lives, somebody else's life, uh, sees what they have, uh, see, see what they don't have, what they don't want, and start to appreciate that, I think they'll also realize that uh, they're very fortunate and not feel that anybody owes them anything. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so tell us about some of the things, some of the lessons that you learned um, after, well, that you learned the hard way. Well, it started off as really a five- and six-year-old where I, I got a reputation for being a bit of a bully, and, of course, at that age, you just ignore it. And one uh, really interesting thing that happened is I was actually trying to help a kid one day pass a ruler from right to left to another kid, and I honestly, innocently took the ruler to pass it to the kid next to me, but because I had this reputation, the kid held on in the little metal piece, cut him in the hand, and I had to go to the principal's office, and I became notorious 
for being the first kid in that school to ever get corporal punishment. Hmm. Um, But, of course, I didn't learn my lesson, so then I became a a fighter. I was pretty aggressive. And at some point, I can say the biggest mistake I ever made and, and continue to do so was really to associate myself with the wrong people. Mm. And, you know, when you're really young, for whatever reason, you gravitate towards people that will give you the time of day, people that seem cool, people that seem exciting. And truthfully, you can give up years and years of your life, which I did, uh, by just hanging out with the wrong people. Big, big mistake. Uh, Also, I defied authority. So if somebody told me something that was uh, important, I chose to ignore it. I chose to always think that I had a better way or that I knew better. And it wasn't until my grandmother passed away um, where I realized that she had been telling me things all my life Hmm. in small little bits and pieces that were so critically important, but I just chose to ignore them. So, you know, summing it up, it's really, really a big waste of time, energy, and effort to uh, go down the wrong path because you do really want to turn around and come back. And the further you go down that path, the harder and harder it becomes. And then you just settle for a life of uh, mediocrity, I think. Uh, yeah, and it's like, what we, you know, a kid thinks, well, what does Granny know, right? Absolutely. And I, <laughs> I look back, and that's one of the biggest inspirations where I just thought, yeah, what could she possibly teach me? And uh, then... I realized that I had, uh, you know, created this reputation for myself. I was known as a scully, which in South Africa is just basically a person that is a lost cause. Um, And people obviously wouldn't give me the time of day um, until I proved myself. And I can tell any kid out there or anybody from that matter, it's much harder coming from below zero than it is, you know, from, from starting at zero. So... Anything you do to hurt your reputation, and even so nowadays, everything's on record. I mean, when I was a kid, I could do stupid things and no one would know about them. But nowadays, you can't do anything that's not going to catch you up uh, later on and can hurt you trying to get a job uh, or whatever important thing you're trying to do. Why do you say that? Because of the Internet or why? What do you mean nowadays? I give you a good example. When I was... uh, ashamed of not having a college degree. Um, You know, in the early days when I was in my 20s, I fudged uh, the information a little bit. I tried to make it look better than it was and uh, thinking I could get away with it. But lo and behold, companies in America can actually go into the records in another country. And they came up and said, well, you didn't complete what you said you did. And I got fired. And that was the first job I ever got fired from in my life. And to be quite honest with you, it was a really tough and big job because I had to get a special license. And, uh, you know, I learned a huge lesson. And uh, from that day on, I I just became proud of who I am. And I stopped trying to impress people, you know, with things that weren't entirely uh, true. Huh. Wow. (laughs) That's, uh, you wouldn't think that they would have gone to and checked on that, especially if you were doing a good job. Now, I'll take it a step further. I was so devastated by what happened because I, you know, pride myself in not ever being fired, etc., that I asked them if I could be rehired, and they said yes, legally after 
a year and a half or two years, I could come back. And so I went after two years and got rehired, even though I really didn't like the job anymore and didn't really want to be there. And it wasted three good years of my life. Uh, who knows what opportunity I lost just because, you know, I allowed myself to get into that pickle. And, uh, you know, in the big scheme of things, it's not that, you know, terrible what I did. But, uh, you know, it, it really can set one back. Mm. Uh, so that's another mistake. Um, now, the funny thing is, when I came to America without knowing anybody, years later, I have this friend for 20-odd years, and I said to him, wow, it's kind of crazy to think I am where I am in my life after coming here with no money, no connections. Pretty cool, huh? And I expected him to say, oh, yeah, pat on the back. What he did is he looked me straight in the eye and he said to me, that's pretty poor planning. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to laugh because he was so true. I mean, the things I went through in the beginning when I first came here, because I didn't plan, it's unbelievable. I don't think I could do it again. Uh, you know, looking back now, it's easy to say that I would do it over again, but I don't know if I could. I was in some really crazy pickles. And, uh, you know, I had to put out all the resources, talk to everybody, uh, ask questions, talk to strangers, read up everything I could just to stay on track. Otherwise, I think I would have run back with my tail between my legs. Mm. Well, and I want to hear more about these pickles, but um, but just something keeps uh, flashing in my mind from what you had said earlier, which is you said that you had four operations before before you were eight. Now, I would think, and of course, middle children are notorious for sort of being lost and not having enough of an identity being lost between the oldest and the youngest and the parents that, who the parents are paying more attention to. But I would have thought that the fact that you had these surgeries would have gotten a lot of attention from your parents and would have maybe pampered you or spoiled you. Well, you know, it's not always as it seems. Um, first of all, the, the surgeries were so, you know, unsure that my mom, I'm sure, went through incredible, incredible stress, not knowing if I was going to die, uh, being in the middle of nowhere. And so eventually, when, when these came, uh, the, um, the doctors took care of me. I then had another surgery, and by the age 13, I was up to like seven or eight surgeries. But I wasn't the kind of kid that looked for attention. A great example is my grandmother bought me a little Batman when I was in hospital at around four or five years old. It was just a rubber Batman with wire inside, and you could bend it in any shape. Mm -hmm. And when she came to visit the next time, I had removed the wire from the Batman. <laughs> and, you know, that kind of thing just made them insane. I mean, they uh, literally scolded me. Why am I so destructive? And instead of realizing that I always wanted to see how things work and, you know, I wanted mm. to be around the corner, they, they were really mad at me. And, you know, I just started to build up this resentment. And uh, in my mom's defense, her life started turning upside down not long after that. And I know from deep conversations with her that she really wanted my life to be different growing up. Mm -hmm. And she sort of really uh, regretted the fact that I had to go through what I did. But I developed uh, really a thick skin. I was, you know, I would bounce back. Uh, my mom used to call me a rubber ball, and I asked her why. She said, because the harder you fall, the bigger you bounce back. Mm. And I've kind of just used that as a 
little backdrop that whenever things get tough, you know, I try to uh, make sure that I just solve the problem as soon as possible so I can move on. So are you saying or do you think that um, because there was, you know, there were years or times when you were sort of on the brink between life or death that your parents may have um, dissociated a bit from you and withdrawn a bit because they, to, to protect themselves from the pain in case you did die? You know, I don't know if that's really what happened. What I would think is rather that I was such a handful that because they were going through their own uh, stress and their own problems, and I'm talking serious uh, problems that really distracted them a lot, I think that I was just something they couldn't deal with, and Mm. they pushed me aside because I was too much to handle. Mm -hmm, My mom would mm -hmm. tell me to be home at 12 p.m. at night. My dad would say, come home whenever you like. And just a simple thing like that could turn the house entirely mm-hmm. upside down. Mm-hmm. Boy, I bet a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially nowadays with all the divorces. Well, yeah. we have to take another break. Um, my guest is Gordon Myers. His book is Street Smart Kids, Common Sense for the Real World. We'll be talking, hearing more about the common sense. You know, all these, um, these uh, pitfalls that you fell into, each has a lesson of its own that, that uh, is clear. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Do you find yourself tearing pictures of rooms out of magazines? Do you watch certain movies and TV programs because of the homes they show? Are Sundays reserved for open houses? Then you are a home dreamer, and someday you will build or renovate your dream home. Steve Plipp has spent three decades learning how to win at the dream home game. His show, Winning the Dream Home Race, can be heard every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Let Steve Plipp help save you money and make you a winner. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
talking with Gordon Myers about um, his life, how he uh, learned all these street smarts and has now written a new book called Street Smart Kids. So, Gordon, tell us about, um, you know, why, I mean, you, you have pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and you, um, there are plenty of other things that you could be and are doing, but why, um, why now and why did you, why is this so important to you? Why do you feel so passionate about um, sharing what you've learned the hard way with other kids? Okay, great question. So when I had uh, kids, I promised myself that I was going to protect them from all the insecurity that I had as a kid. First of all, I studied different lifestyles, and I saw what the options were, what, what a public school looked like, what a private school looked like, and I thought hard and long that I want my kids to have a life where they're stimulated, they meet people that are going to create a positive impact on their lives. And so I really took all the good things that successful people did, and I decided that I had to emulate their behavior in some way for them to even give me the time of day. And I'll say this emphatically, education, education, education. The more I knew and the more I could talk to people about things that they either knew about or even better, interesting things they didn't know about, the more respect I got. And so um, I thought to myself, if I can apply everything I've learned and I can give my kids good guidance, good lessons, I can learn things from people that are doing well, people that are not, and I could teach my kids to think things through and uh, be objective. And then I made a very good point of uh, teaching them the distinct difference between being privileged and being spoiled. Hmm. And I always told them it's okay to be privileged, but the minute you don't appreciate it, you become spoiled. And if you look it up in the dictionary, it's not a good thing. And then I taught them um, about giving back to others. And so a turning point in my life was uh, after I had been coaching my kids for many, many years, coaching soccer and basketball, both of them turned around and started coaching other kids. Mm. And my wife and I said, you know, that the most uh, wonderful moment when we were sitting on the bleachers watching our kids coach where my daughter would allow my son to be... uh, the assistant coach, and, mm. you know, we saw their relationship. And so I started to feel, like, overwhelmingly lucky and uh, then figured that there's so many parents and so many kids that are never going to enjoy that level of emotion and that I really could do something about it. I could help people to get relationships in, in uh, such a state that they really appreciate one another and And then, to be quite honest with you, I met kids that are just so absolutely out there. I mean, the very the very first bad word everybody learned was stupid. We would tell our kids, don't call other people stupid. Don't use the word stupid. And they would look at you as if to say, well, these people are behaving in a stupid way. They're doing stupid things. They're saying stupid things. What else can I call them? And so we keep telling kids that, Nobody's stupid. Everybody's such a good kid, and mm. they all have unlimited potential. And we sugarcoat everything. And then we're these helicopter parents, making sure that if they scratch themselves, there's a band aid nearby. <laughs> 
And, and I just got fed up with it. I feel like we should just tell kids the truth, you know. Guys, your parents can always take care of you. And there are going to be reasons, there are going to be excuses. But the bottom line, if you don't start thinking for yourself, you are eventually one day going to regret it. And you're going to start realizing that there was information out there all the time. There were people trying to help you. There were people showing you things. And you just chose, you know, not to ignore it. And so I think my book will allow kids to go in there, read it, see a few things, and, you know, it'll provoke thought. I want kids to change the way they think. I want them to have more than one perception about things. And then I want them to learn how to make really good decisions on their own. Because if for some reason the parents are too busy, they have a language problem, they're under too much pressure, and they just, you know, kind of forget to teach their kids how to deal with the real world, uh, I want to be able to step in. Uh, the most important difference between being at school and being in the real life is, you know, you go to school, you get a lesson, you get a test. That's how it works. In life, you first get a test and then you get a lesson. Mm. So, mm. yeah, my objective is to give the lesson about life to kids. Like, let them know what's going to happen out there. Let them know what friends really do for you. Let them know who to avoid. You know, don't get scammed. Don't believe other people have your intentions, uh, you know, your, your, your good intentions uh, at heart. People will really ruin other people. And so I'm trying to protect kids from letting something slip through the cracks uh, because their parents or their teachers didn't teach them and just make solid decisions. Uh, the other thing is kids can help other kids to be better. So, you know, a bully and a geek make for a wonderful team. I mean, mm -hmm. kids should realize that. Geeks do things bullies can. Bullies do things geeks can. Together they can uh, move mountains. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. That's a good point. Um, well, what you also do coaching. So yes. what are some of the... the um, and not to reveal any any identities, but um, what are some of the things that you have helped kids do who you've been coaching? Like, where have you taken them from from what kind of a problem to to what kind of success? Okay, great question. So I, I'll have you know that in ten, twelve years of coaching, I never, ever, ever went to a parent and asked them to control their kid, or or, the, or I didn't have a problem with any kid. Mm -hmm. Because I would explain to kids, I would take the time to explain to them uh, about the situation they were in and what they could possibly get out of it, and that if they had any uh, problem with paying attention, respecting my time, respecting their time, or respecting the teammates' time, I would address those situations. So first of all, I taught kids how to uh, behave appropriately in a certain situation, there were many kids that felt uh, a sense of low esteem. I would pick them out from the crowd, and I would do something that would allow them to feel elevated. And then what I would do very much so with my son involved is to have the better kids uh, encourage the, the not-so-good kids. And I got a big kick out of seeing the, the very bottom of my team as far as uh, talent goes, they all became much better, and then my teams would become better because I realized that the good players 
weren't going to be able to improve that much, but I could drastically improve the, the worst players. And so I would do whatever I could to get them to feel more comfortable, to feel more confident with themselves, uh, not let other kids intimidate them, feel a good sense of self-worth. And then slowly, slowly, that gave me a good feeling. So I wrote a soccer book that uh, portrayed these kids with these social issues. And then that sort of fueled my desire to uh, take a kid that's just on the wrong path or has the wrong information and, uh, you know, switch over and let them be, uh, you know, free to make good decisions. Uh-huh. And so, so can you... Um... Give us an example of, um, I mean, for example, what are some of the problems, what are some of the typical problems that they were struggling with? I don't mean just on the playing field, I mean in their life. Well, there was typically the, um, the, the situation where kids would think they know better and that, that adults were out to get them. Hmm. Uh, and the reason I found that to be is because kids wanted the message, but their parents gave it to them in just such a tough way. So even though the parents had good intentions, it was difficult for them uh, without aggression uh, to get the message to their kids. And I would actually try to make the parent understand that the kid was never going to be able to do one thing, but he was very good at doing another thing. And I would coach the parents and the kids at the same time to focus on their strengths and to find their critical part in, in the big system. At that time, it might have been a team, but also it spills over into real life where you have to be a team player in a company. Uh, you have to be somebody that's going to choose that you, you know, to be a follower or a leader. And then I would explain to them what comes with being a leader and how you have to embrace responsibility when you're good at something. So there's a chapter in my book about good-looking people, talented people, and I refer to it as a blessing or a curse because as a blessing, you can really use your talents and your good looks to help other people, but as a curse, you might be compelled to think you're special and then use that to bully others or to degrade people that aren't as good-looking, etc. And uh, those are the types of uh, perceptions I'm trying to change in kids, that mm -hmm. everybody has a right from day one, and uh, it's not up to anybody to uh, manipulate somebody else. And just because somebody has a sort of a weak side, I mean, life is cruel. People will manipulate weak people. But uh, I try to help kids into understanding that it's not really a weakness. It's just not what they're really strong at, and so they should focus more on what they're good at, because everybody can do something that somebody else can't do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, so when this book is pretty new, I mean, it's just come out, right? Right, just uh, literally, you know, several weeks, eight, okay. nine, ten weeks, maybe. All right. Um, so your goal is... Um, I mean, besides, of course, getting everyone to read it and learn from it and so on, um, but your goal is also to to reach as many kids as possible through coaching and through speaking and so on, correct? Right, right. The, the ultimate goal is to get a workbook into the classroom across the, the nation so that every single child can learn some street smarts or common sense in the classroom. 
I mean, it's safe to assume that some kids are never going to learn what they need to at home for whatever reason. So if they can come into the classroom and actually get a lesson on what makes for uh, good common sense, uh, I think at an early enough age, maybe one or two little pointers can change the whole direction of a kid's uh, journey. And yes. so I, I've, I'm creating this book that I want to get in the hands of every single school-going kid in America. That's uh, my, my ACE program. It's a three-step Well, wait, 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 wait. And we need to take a break. And okay, I do want to hear about that, and I'm sure everybody else does too. So let's Absolutely. just take another break. My guest is Gordon Myers. His book is Street Smart Kids, Common Sense for the Real World. And we'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, Tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Gordon Myers, who has just released a new book called Street Smart Kids, Common Sense for the Real World. Um, we, were talking, we were talking about his plans for this book and for uh, using this book and making a workbook and so on. But before we continue with that, and of course I'll be telling you or he'll be telling you where you can find all this, um, I wanted to ask Gordon what, I know it's, it's two different countries and it's 20 plus years later, but I'm really curious about how you find the kids of today who you're working with as compared to what it was like when you were growing up in Africa? Okay, great question. I often look at my son's life and go, oh, my goodness, if only that was me when I was a kid. Uh-huh. But 
there's some really big differences. The first one being that um, kids, when I was growing up, had to use their imagination. Uh, there was a lot more of a uh, black and white when it came to the difference between right and wrong. And I think that is probably one of the most important things that I was ever taught, was a very, very clear distinction between what is right and what is wrong. And I think today kids have a much bigger gray area because circumstances are just different, whether they learn it from their parents or from society. I think that uh, there's a lot less um, integrity. And on the flip side of that, I think that the kids are thrown into a uh, universe that is just overwhelmingly exciting, amazing. Uh, the Internet uh, brings information to kids that we wouldn't even dream of. I mean, you know, that's the irony of the fact and how ignorant I was when I came to America. I didn't have TV till I was 13 years old. I never typed on a computer until I was 25. So you, you might imagine what I would do with my time. I'd listen to stories on the radio. I'd build, uh, you know, car tracks outside in the dirt. I'd play outside a lot. I mean, I was always playing some sport outside. But because of the way the economy was and just the way things work, kids could be kids a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And so even though there were the struggling teens and the at-risk kids, for the most part, I think kids lived in uh, middle America style where, you know, everything was uh, hunky-dory, dad worked, mom stayed at home, et cetera, et cetera. There was a lot more of that when I grew up. Now, I don't think you can really compare New York and L.A. and Chicago to the rest of America in all ways. So I think there's a lot of that uh, home style upbringing in, in other states in the country. I think New York and uh, L.A., for example, are out of control, insanely exciting. And people insanely are having up opportunities, just having the greatest time. And insanely exciting, that, did you say? Yeah, very exciting. Uh-huh. Uh, there's nothing a kid can't find out, apply, do. And I think it's extremely sad when kids are sitting in the sidelines in the corner because there's just, uh, an abundance of good in this life. And if you're not taking advantage of it, then I think somebody needs to give you a little push in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's just your frame of mind. I mean, many times the only difference between successful people and, and not so successful people are, the, are their frame of mind. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm trying to help kids with. Go to the very, very, very basics before you start bad habits that other people try to fix. And, you know, with all respect to um, the therapists out there and the people that are helping set kids on the right track, I'm all for not letting them get broken first. Mm, and, mm -hmm. you know, letting them just live more fulfilling lives. I mean, being, being in a tough spot is just so time-consuming, so energy-consuming. And uh, with the wrong frame of mind, I think uh, kids just don't have a hope. They've got to think right from the very beginning. Embrace yes. life and everything it has to offer. So tell now tell people where they can how they can reach you, where they can get your book. You were talking okay, about the so ACE program before. For anyone listening, I've created a workbook and, and it's a one, two, three step program basically. It's called ACE A C E, the A is for assess, C for contemplate, E for execute. 
And it's basically a questionnaire that you ask yourself when making big decisions so you don't marry the wrong person, get the wrong job, move to the wrong uh, city, etc. It's free today. You go onto my blog at www.streetsmartkids.com forward slash blog or just click on the link and you can download the uh, entire workbook for free where you'll also find information on my book, which is available at, on a paperback on Amazon. It's also available as an e-book. And if anybody really cannot afford to buy the book or would love to look inside, uh, you can either look inside on Amazon or just let me know. I'll be happy to send you a free electronic version. I want people to share the book with others. I want kids to start realizing that it is completely up to them to decide what's going to happen in their lives. And just like me, there's going to be hurdles, there's going to be challenges, there are going to be unspeakable, you know, tragedies and all kinds of things in kids' lives. But at the, at the end of the day, objectively speaking, you have to stand tall and say, I am going to make sure that nothing stops me from reaching my, my goals. And the book should help you do that. There's lots of real-life stories in there. Each chapter is a real-life story, a little analysis of the story, and then three tips at the end of each chapter. You only need to look at those tips to uh, provoke thought into doing things better and making better decisions. And uh, and also people can reach you through your website, streetsmartkids.com, to if they want to hire you, if their parents want to hire you, for um, for coaching, for individual coaching, or for giving uh, talks, right? Exactly. I would uh, be very available to talk in front of uh, schools with or without parents. I can also provide a workshop for PTAs where any parent that's having a little bit of a struggle, and I want to emphasize I'm an inspirational coach. I, I'm definitely not a psychologist. Um, you know, I'm not here to motivate kids and... and uh, hype them up and get them all excited, and then the next day they go back to their own uh, uh, devices. My, my method is to inspire kids to step back, look at life objectively, look at what's going on in the world, and then make decisions according to what they envision themselves to be in the future. So if you want to be a happy grandfather one day or a happy okay. grandmother, just simply work backwards uh, find out what the steps are and start working towards those steps. So, you know, being a happy grandfather starts off by being a happy father. Being a happy father is much more likely if you put a lot of time and effort and smart thinking into raising your kids because, after all, uh, they're helpless without the parents and they're going to make way too many mistakes. Uh, well, mistakes great. sometimes that never get better. Yes, well, all of this is really important stuff. Gordon, I want to thank you for being a guest on, on my show. And again, the website that people should go to is streetsmartkids.com. And you can find all kinds of, you can find a video of Gordon and you can find all kinds of resources. So, Gordon, thank you and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.